more what I call a yoga. Oh, okay. Uh, should we start over? No, that's fine. It's a new version of Zoom. So. Oh, okay. Okay. We got We're it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. We just heard a little voice come on. If you're listening in the future, um, <laughs> we're, we're in, in the now, in the now. So what I was saying is um, how, how you work with people, how this therapy helps. And as a yoga teacher, I'm really intimately aware that there's so many areas of our body that we can focus on that's going to help other areas. I'm just going to give a couple examples like our uh, physical core. And I think that's overrated. But um, also our pelvic floor, you know, we could really get into hands and feet, so many things, and that's going to have a ripple effect, but they all work together. And your focus is on this critical place that is, um, I just say nose, mouth, and like you say, neck. Yeah, she's showing us if you're, if you're listening, <laughs> Grace just showed a little um, kind of window from her nose to uh, her throat. And I, I find that fascinating because again, it's all related. This is so important though, because in Ayurveda, which is a sister science of yoga, our senses and our oral health and our nose, all those things are super important. So I'm going to stop talking and let you comment or <laughs> I'm just excited to have you uh, hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, I'm super excited to kind of explain some of these connections because not even not enough people are thinking about it. I know whenever we think about muscles or our bodies or health, we really go, you know, shoulders down. We start thinking about maybe gut health, but our gut health, you know, where digestion actually starts in the mouth. It doesn't start down there. It starts in the mouth with the saliva. And if you don't have a good salivary content, like let's say your mouth breathing. So that's one of the things we address with myofunctional therapy. We try to eliminate mouth breathing and enhance nasal breathing because that's the way we're designed to breathe. So if you're a mouth breather, you might be drying out some of the saliva, which is now going to change and impact some of the enzymes or as you're swallowing, you might be swallowing additional air and that's going to impact your digestive tract. So we're really repatterning swallows as well. Um, with the repatterning of swallows, there are some people who nobody knows or really um, takes time to think about it, but our tongue has a major role in the swallow. And so what it should do is it should really be up against the roof of the mouth and do kind of like a wave-like motion where it's really going to get the liquids or the food down through the back of the tongue. Some people, their tongue might push forward in order to kind of thrust the food or the liquids backwards, right? When that happens, that actually has a, a ripple effect on our body. So number one, it's going to push back our mandible and our mandible, it, that's the lower jaw for those who can't see me and who are just hearing me, our lower jaw is connected up towards our temporal mandibular joint. Now, a lot of people who have oral facial pain here, who may experience tension, headaches, and so forth, imagine every time you swallow, thrusting back that jaw, and then that jaw is now pushing on the fluid that's on that hinge joint of the temporomandibular joint. So now you're really exacerbating and it compounds as you age. And so then you start to wonder, oh my gosh, why does it hurt when I chew? Why do I get lockjaw? Why does this, that, and the other happen? It's all a compound effect of the disuse of muscles that are so critical in the mouth. So 
it has a lot of different effects. We can really help with so many different things, but just those few, like with digestion and with repatterning the swallow and with oral facial pain, it's, it's so significant to start thinking of health as starting from the top because that's where a lot of it begins. Wow. So much that you just said. Uh, I don't know if Karen has a question. I see her just no. <laughs> you know, I'm listening to this because um, my first career um, was in the dental field. And back, back in the 70s and 80s, you know, nobody talked about anything like this. You know, if you had dry mouth, you had dry mouth. If you had locked jaw, you know, maybe you go to a dentist and they do some adjustments. But as I'm listening to you, yes, everything does start in the mouth. And if the mouth isn't satisfied, food or nourishment of any kind is going to be limiting. Yeah, I love this. I wonder, uh, it, it's so much like Indian medicine too, because the tongue is super important in Indian medicine and Eastern medicine, as you may know, um, you diagnose with your tongue and <laughs> And so I am so fascinated by this. I wonder, um, so I know that there's a connection to breathing. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the connection to breathing and how would we know that we need this kind of therapy or that we need some help even in breathing? Because I, I just love to hear your take on breathing. Absolutely. So there is a proper way to breathe. One, it has to be through your nose because our nose is built and designed for breathing. Our nose is for breathing. Our mouth is for eating. We don't want to switch up the two ever. Our nose is the only place where you're going to be able to humidify air that comes into the body. It's going to filter out a lot of the things that you don't want coming in there. Okay. So we've got little cilia in our nose to filter it out, humidifies it. And then we're going to get nitric oxide from what we're breathing in, which is going to really enhance the, the quality of that oxygen within your body. And so we want that. So nasal breathing is number one, but secondarily, we have to be able to stimulate that nasal floor in order to really activate it and stimulate our vagus nerve. Okay. So how do we do that? Our tongue is a critical organ. I consider it an organ. I know a lot of people consider it a muscle, but it's actually innervated by 16 different muscles. So it's not one muscle, but it is an essential organ in breathing in that it has a rest position. Our tongue at rest should be lightly suctioned up against our palate or the roof of our mouth from just behind the two front teeth all the way back through our soft palate. So the soft palate for anybody who is really unsure what I'm, I'm like using all these magical words, nobody knows, will just lift your tongue up to the roof of your mouth and just slide backwards. You'll feel it feels hard, hard, hard. There's a place where the bone stops, but the tissue still goes on. That's your soft palate. So all the way back there. Yes. All the way back there is where your tongue should be suctioned up uh, against that whole palate that stimulates your nasal floor because that is your nasal floor. Um, and it's going to help stimulate your vagus nerve, which is really going to regulate everything. Your vagus nerve is responsible for really running all your organs, your autonomic nervous system. So your rest, digest, fight, flight system. It's really the center of a lot of our proper respiration. And so 
what does myofunctional therapy do when it comes to that? Like, how does it help with breathing? We get them into that proper oral rest position and really help to open up the nose, establish good nasal hygiene routines and so forth. How would you know where your tongue is when you're at rest? I know some people are probably just thinking about it consciously. Don't think about it too consciously. Let's put our feet flat on the floor. Let's sit up nice and tall. Let's take a deep breath in through our nose. Just inhale, close your lips, inhale and exhale. And then I want you to inhale a little slowly on the second one. And as you're inhaling and then you get ready to exhale, I want you to just be conscious of where your tongue is. For some people, it might be lying down low. For some people, it might be in the middle of their mouth. For others, it might be pushed against their teeth. For some people, it might be in between their teeth. And for a very select group of people, it is exactly where it's supposed to be, lightly suctioned up against the roof of the mouth. So if it's in any of those spots that is not all the way up against the roof of the mouth from the front all the way through to the back, then that's how you know you need a little bit of help with myofunctional therapy. Wow. And, and do you recommend if somebody doesn't have time for myofunctional therapy or they're, uh, you know, some, they have something else going on, could they just do that breathing practice or do you have any sort of something that they could do in the meantime, or maybe they're just still skeptical? What would help, you know, cause not everybody, I doubt everybody on the planet's going to do that, but I'd say a lot of people need it. I get it. I get it. You know, this is why YouTube University exists. There's a lot of people who need something other than, you know, working with a professional. Uh, my first step is, for everyone is always to start with a good nasal hygiene routine. Make sure that you have nice open nostrils that are patent and ready to optimally intake as much oxygen as you can. If you do not have a nasal hygiene routine or you're confused as to what that is, it would be using a saline rinse. So you can use something like a neti pot and fill it up with a saline rinse. So you can get a saline wash just straight from any of your um, local uh, pharmaceutical stores. PBS, Walgreens, all those places. So you would essentially use that to cleanse out the nasal passages. And then you can use something to help open it up. So a lot of people use aromatherapy, eucalyptus, peppermint oils. These are really good and known for really opening up that nasal passageway. And so you can diffuse some of that after your nasal hygiene routine and really intake that and allow your body to properly prepare itself for nasal breathing. As far as your tongue, like I said, it's, it's, 16 different muscles. And so sometimes it's really hard to on your own pinpoint what muscles it is that you really need to work on. And so that's where you get a professional in, but you can actively just try to keep that tongue up there and see how you can, you know, how long you can do it. I would start in smaller increments, maybe start with like a minute timer and then work my way up to being able to sustain it for longer periods of time. Wow. I just want to comment on a couple of those things. Uh, one, I'll start with, yeah, the, the kind of the personal training aspect, again, as a yoga teacher, sure, we can learn yoga off of YouTube or from a book. But like Carissa is saying, there's so many muscles in our tongue. Like, I didn't even know that. I've studied anatomy. I didn't get that memo. <laughs> you know, they just didn't put that in the training that I got. And and yet I know that about other, like, you know, let's take our thighs, for example. Well, you've got like three big muscles, your quads, and you've got your hamstrings, but there's so many other muscles that are smaller and within, you know, there's still like a lot of differentiation 
and all over the body, including especially hands and feet, which have so many uh, muscles and bones themselves. And so that uh, refinement, I'm just going to call it refinement, is so important. So if you want to go deep, <laughs> get a myofunctional therapist. I think I'm going to be signing up with you <laughs> because this is important. Breathing is so important. Uh, if anybody, I'll put this, I, I'd love to hear if you've read that book, Breathing. I also want to shout out, you've got a great book. I'm not quite all the way through it, but some of the things that you talk about today, like the aromatherapy, and there's some breathing exercises in her book, and it's all about productivity. Let's get to that next, but I just want to, I'm wondering if you've heard of that book, Breathing. I think it's, or is it Breathing by James Nestor, and he's kind of bringing breathing into the mainstream uh, yeah, just curious if you've read that book or heard of it. I have not, I'm not sure if I've read it all. I think I have it downloaded on Audible and I listened to part of it. Let's just say that. Yes, it's a really great book. So he is like a journalist and what he went through with his own discoveries about breathing and how his breathing was impacting his overall health and wellness. He really dove deep. He spoke to a lot of the great leaders, a lot of great breath mastery people and has really, written such a comprehensive thing about just the importance of optimally breathing. Like nobody thinks about it, but it is the most important thing to all of us. We can go for weeks without food, days without water, but not any of us can go for about a few minutes without oxygen. We have to breathe. And so we have to start thinking about that as like the top of the chain for all other health and wellness. Great. Yeah, that's great. And I will uh, add a link to the show notes so that you can check that book out along with Carissa's book because they're both excellent. And um, yes, I'm, I'm remembering I did listen to it, but I need to listen to it again. <laughs> and he was in the Bay Area too. I think he lives in the Bay Area. Uh, so my next question, now I'm forgetting what it was but um, there's so many things I want to ask you. Maybe the connection will go to the, I know I'll remember what my last question was, but the connection to sleep, like how is breathing? I know um, we all know a little bit, but let's hear your take on why breath is so important uh, to sleep. Yeah. So when we're breathing, breathing is like the crux of all life as we've kind of covered throughout this whole time we've been talking. Uh, what is happening when we're sleeping is our body is doing all the restorative processes that we don't get to do when we're awake. Our brain is actually firing a, a lot more neurons and faster, and we're getting a lot more electrical impulses from our brain while we're sleeping because the brain is doing the most important work. Now, the brain has to function off of there being a good blood oxygen ratio. Okay. We have to have really good oxygen. If we are not oxygenating well, our body is going to put a pause because our body has to prioritize our body's main thing. Keep our human alive. Okay. Our body is going to prioritize breathing over some of the restorative processes that we would need to have happen while we're sleeping. So you won't be able to regulate well through your sleep cycles. A lot of people, when they're having breathing issues during sleep or sleep disordered breathing. So obstructive sleep apnea would be under that umbrella of terms. Snoring is under that umbrella of terms. Uh, sleep disordered breathing covers a number of things. 
Uh, but when you are having breathing issues, you're not going to cycle through your sleep stages appropriately. If you're younger, that's incredibly impactful because you need stage three sleep to get to uh, human growth hormone secretion. So that's going to impact growth and development right there for children. We need that REM in order for our brain to detox and to do its own drainage system. We have our lymphatic system. We have our kidneys that we have a lot of other ways to drain when we're awake, but when we're not awake, that's the brain's time to do all of its drainage. And so we won't be able to get to any of those things if the body thinks that we are hypoxic or we're not getting enough oxygen. So now it's going to prioritize that and your sleep is going to be impacted. So it doesn't matter what kind of pillow you have, if you turned off your TV two hours before bed, if you didn't eat or whatever, some of these sleep hacks or, you know, sleep hygiene tips do absolutely nothing for you if you're not breathing appropriately at night, because your body is still going to prioritize you staying alive over cell regeneration as an example. Wow. Fascinating. Did you have a question, Karen? No, I'm just, I'm, I'm fascinated because um, I was diagnosed about three months ago with sleep apnea and everything they told me that happened in the test um, just doesn't make a lot of sense. And they even agreed that we have to redo it. Um, but it was that test that taught me how to breathe through my nose because of wearing the guard that one night. And it was like, I felt like I was choking unless I breathed through my nose. And I think that's like the first time in my whole life that that's when I started breathing through my nose. It's like, I can do it. But I also, I used to think I couldn't. Oh, yeah, definitely. It can seem impossible for some people, especially when you've been doing it for what can be considered habitually for decades right. or however long. So what's interesting is that one of the first few stages of sleep, all the muscles start to relax. Okay. And so we're getting a lot of relaxation in our throat, our tongue, for some people whose tongue doesn't sit suctioned up to the roof of their mouth, it's going to fall down and back into that airway, right? And so that's going to now cause a lot of resistance. So when we're thinking about snoring as one of those primary signs of obstructive sleep apnea, snoring is the sound of air meeting resistance as it's going through your upper respiratory tract. Now that's never something that I want. Like I don't want any resistance for any air that's trying to come into my body, right? But a lot of people think of it as like normal or cute and it's really not, it's, it's impactful. And so when you're nasal breathing, especially if you get that tongue up and out of the airway. So if you're wearing a dental piece that is going to shift that lower jaw forward and move that tongue forward as well, then you're able to get a good amount of oxygen. And then you can now breathe and finally cycle through those sleep stages and really get restorative sleep and not just restful sleep. Yeah, I just wanted to add, I, I mean, this is something I've not, I haven't worked on myofunctional therapy, but I've worked on my breathing as a yoga teacher and as a, somebody who is into Indian medicine. I remember in high school, I, I was like addicted to nasal spray, you know, like my nose was so congested. I remember uh, I don't know if it's an addictive, but I, I know that if I didn't use it, I, I, I don't know how I stopped, but I just kept spraying it because my nose was so congested. 
and it would just get worse. And if I stopped using whatever the product was at the time, um, I couldn't breathe. And, uh, you know, flash forward, I remember when my son was younger, I used to do the netty, which netty um, is a, it looks like a teapot. That's what I'm going to say. My son used to say, mommy, why are you pouring a teapot in your nose? <laughs> and I thought that was the cutest thing. Cause I was like, oh, it's a teapot. Cause it's a little cup thing. You could, you know, you could do other kind of spraying, you know, it's like a nasal spray with saline. Um, but I, I like the netty. And one other shout out is I've been doing it really consistency, consistently netty uh, since, you know, I'd say going out more, you know, going out more and it really is going to help you not get sick because if you've got like uh, viruses coming in, uh, you get the, rid of them at the end of the day. So I can safely say that every day that I go out and I'm around people other than those in my household. I always do a nasal rinse when I come home. And I've talked to my acupuncturist about this. I think it really helps you knock on wood to not get any of, you know, we don't only have COVID, we have a lot of different things. And <laughs> so the nasal rinse is very powerful. It can be hard if you do have congestion, but if you do it consistently, your nose will be nice and open did remember my question. Um, <laughs> that is uh, the productivity piece, because I love that you tie the, all that you do, which seems like, is this really going to help me? Do I need this? You tie it all together with productivity. So tell us about how, what you do helps us with productivity. And that's the name of your book, or it's part of the name, the title of your book. Yes. So everything kind of wraps around sleep beautifully. And then the sleep part wraps around the breathing and it's all really encompassing, right? So by improving your breathing and really how you're able to open and facilitate a more patent upper respiratory tract, that's going to help you sleep better. Number one, number two, it's definitely going to help you with just cognitively, you're going to be a little bit more alert. You're going to be more present. You're going to be able to actually process thoughts in a better way. So when we are not breathing optimally, right? If we're mouth breathing and we're not getting good quality oxygen, and we're definitely not getting the same amount of oxygen that we would get if we were nasal breathing, when we are mouth breathing, that's going to put us at a lower state of oxygen. If we get into a certain chronic levels of that are too low. You're almost functioning as like, a, you're not drunk, but you're, it's as if you're intoxicated. Okay. Where you really, your balance becomes impacted your uh, acuity and your skills really visually, you're unable to really process what's going on around you. You can't think clearly. You can't really put your words together in the way that you would want to. And so all of that is really impacting your ability to function throughout the day. So being able to breathe better, being able to sleep, waking up, feeling well rested, not waking up feeling like, oh man, I really need my coffee today. Cause if I don't get my coffee, oh, I don't know. I'm not going to make it. That is not the way to really you know, get to any of those goals, dreams, you know, you can manifest as much as you want, but if you are not able to really get active and to have accountability for your day and how you are cognitively going and showing up into each of these days, it's going to impact your productivity significantly. 
Yeah, and I have to say, I love the way your book emphasizes the quality of sleep over the quantity, because sometimes we focus so much on, you know, I've got my eight hours. I mean, we're not going to debate that today, but but the quality is so important. And um, you cite some individuals that don't get as much sleep and, and, you know, we're not going to, well, anyway, I'll, I'll let you comment, but um, there was one more thing I wanted to ask about how do we, or what can we do to improve our sleep quality and, and how our, how we're sleeping, if, the, if there's any other tips? Absolutely. Well, I do want to say that I think um, just to kind of comment before I get into what you did ask, um, I think that the quantity of sleep, how long you're in bed can be a misnomer. Anybody who is tracking their sleep, and there are some exceptional sleep trackers out there. Some people are doing it with an Apple watch or an aura ring, or just having an app by the bed. Um, If you're tracking your sleep, sometimes you'll see that you may have been in bed for about let's say eight or nine hours, and you may have thought that you were sleeping for eight or nine hours. But then when you see those sleep cycles and the wake cycles, and then how much of that was disrupted, or you're tossing and turning, you probably only got two, three hours of good quality sleep where you're in REM, where your body actually did all the restorative processes that it needed to. So I feel like it's such a misnomer that, you know, we all have to be in bed for a certain number of hours because so much of that is just wasted time. If your body's not restoring, you're just, you're just resting. It's almost like you're sedated. Like your body is just not getting any of those processes done. So I really do value quality over quantity. Um, Okay. Second question. Um, I can't remember what it is now. Uh, wh- how can we get better sleep? Just some tips for the, yeah, <laughs> I know I was a lot. <laughs> Got it. Okay. How can you get better sleep? First off, we want to be in charge of our body's circadian rhythm. And if you're going to be in charge of that circadian rhythm, there needs to be some consistency. When we have children as women, or even as men, when children come into your life and you you have a new child in your life, everybody talks about how much they need a routine. You, You have to get them on a schedule. They have to do this, this, and that, because otherwise, you know, it's, it's terrible. We as adults, that really never stops for us. We, we needed that when we were young. Yes. And we need that now too. Our body works off of that same kind of routine So become consistent with your sleep schedule. Once you become consistent, you are going to find so much improvement just based off of that alone. Okay. We definitely want a nasal hygiene routine. I want you to make sure that you are facilitating optimal breathing and so forth, but be consistent with what time you're getting yourself into that bed. Try to be consistent with what time you're getting up in the morning. Make sure that you're winding down into sleep. You never want to just try to like lie down and then just pass out right away because those people who fall asleep fast, that's a clear indication of sleep deprivation. Like something was going on prior that it has not been diagnosed or is unaddressed. So you want to try to get rested relax your way into your bedtime routine, be consistent with what time you're going to do that to the best of your ability. There will always be exceptions to every rule. You'll have an event, a wedding, a party, something to go to. But for the most part, out of 365 days, if you can get 330 of them to be consistent, you're going to succeed. I love it. Um, So many great tips. And 
if I get the opportunity to uh, do a second edition of, of uh, Super Ager, I'm going to get your input. I'm going to add a little to the sleep chapter, that's for sure, because I got a lot in there, but I don't have some of the tips that you've shared with us. So you've really given us some bonuses um, and a lot to think about because uh, yeah, not a lot of people. I think this is, have you found, I'll, I'll just say this is my last question and we can check with Karen if she has any other questions or comments because um, we we're getting to the end of our time and then we'd love to hear how to find you uh, and I'll leave all the info in the show notes. But um, have you found that there's more and more awareness about myofunctional therapy or breathing? Like, is it on the up and up or Oh, significantly. So James Nestor and his book breath absolutely brought a wealth of people to the awareness of myofunctional therapy. And so incredibly grateful for that. I think the internet and being in the information age has given people a lot of access to finding alternatives because sometimes they're not able to find what it is that could get to the root of their issues. They're only finding palliative care. And so I'm very encouraged that we have gotten more awareness about myofunctional therapy in the last, I would say even three to five years, there's been a significant boom. Good news. Good news. Do you have any final questions, Karen? Well, the only thing that I've been thinking about in the last few minutes is that um, tonight is probably the first night in nine weeks that my husband and I can get on a uh, good schedule. Um, for the last nine weeks, he was going through radiation. So we had to be up at four o'clock in the morning to get to therapy. We'd get to therapy. We Our eyes were half closed. Um, by the time we left therapy, um, our eyes were wide open and it was only 6.30 in the morning. Um, so for the last nine weeks, we've just been We've been zombies. And so everything you're talking about really makes sense because we we tried to get into a routine that would work for us. But the problem was that that meant going to sleep really at 730, 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. And it didn't coordinate with our work schedules or anything else. So you can't beat yourself up when your schedules get out of whack. Um, and when you can get back on a schedule, you can start to heal again. I love that. Yeah, be gentle with yourself as you heal. And um, yeah, and prayers to you and your husband as you, you go through this healing. Yeah, I know that Karen is always so strong and just here for all of us podcasters. And sometimes we don't know what she's going through. So prayers <laughs> to you and your family. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and Chris, can you just share your links for your books and information and any final words you want to leave with our audience? Absolutely. You can contact me, reach out, learn more. You can find links to the book on my website. It is themyospot.com, T-H-E-M-Y-O-S-P-O-T.com. You can also follow me on social media. On most accounts, it's at themyospot. Wonderful. It was a delight having you. Um, this conversation, I think, is something that we're going to have to have again because some people are probably skeptical um, because if they've never heard of it, hearing about it for the first time, it's like, you know, is this something I need? 
But I'll tell you, I certainly learned a lot and I was paying attention to where my tongue was. So I love it. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Thank you. I'm so happy to have helped. And, you know, I would love to come back again. This was such fun. Very good. Yeah. Have a great day, everybody.